You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Seems like only yesterday we were saying goodbye to Picard. And before you know it, it's time to welcome back Pike and his crew for Season 2. It's 7 p.m. and you're with us and it must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Norman Lau. Tonight, we are getting excited about joining the USS Enterprise for more adventures in the late 2250s. Season 2 of Strange New Worlds is right around the corner. And what better time for a check-in? We've got a few special guests tonight. And most importantly, we want to hear from you. So you know what to do. You know how to get in touch with us. Just click on the Zoom link. Somewhere on my screen, I think it's over here. No, it's over here. Over there. Click on this over here. Yeah. uh, Or uh, give us a ring by using the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 669-900-6833. Enter the meeting code and password and Earl Green will get you into the very special Earl Green room. Yeah, now we know that you'll want to join us because we have Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek himself, joining us uh, with the current state of the Trek. Talk about, uh, you know, Star Trek, big and small, the micro and the macro. But just for you, dear listeners, we are joined as well tonight by a last minute additional guest. Yes, it is the costume designer for Strange New Worlds, Bernadette Croft. She will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. So as we are waiting for all of you to line up in the Earl Green Room, let's see who's with us tonight in the chat. Let's see, Norman. I, I, I'm going to scroll back up to the top. And uh, Scott Palm. Hey, Scott. Good to see you. Jay. Jay Stobie. Glad to see you. John Arminio. Paul. We have a multitude of Pauls, I'm pretty sure. Uh, let's see. There's Heather. Heather, who will be joining us starting next week for our week-by-week recap of Strange New Worlds. Uh, we got Carlos. We got, uh, let's see, Jane. I think I mentioned Jane. Uh, Teresa, good to see you again. To Elizabeth, good to see you. Uh, Dave, probably another Dave coming up at some point. Um, very exciting. A lot of people already chatting in the chat. And there's Alan. Hope we got some calls from all of you tonight. Uh, let's see here. Oh, and of course, BC with the Alamoraine. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Can't stop that guy if I tried. Nope. Uh, and let's see. Lisa, other Paul is there. Paul, welcome back from uh, Wonderfest because that looked awesome um and yes that was uh, a fest of wonder as they say it really looked like and i don't did you see some of the pictures that people were posting because there was a multitude of eagles on one of those displays at least like so many eagles yeah Yeah. gorgeous absolutely gorgeous work for sure Mm -hmm. yeah and none of them crashed which is amazing they must have uh, (laughs) yeah even with Nick Tate there, none yeah, they, of them crashed. They, yeah. they kept Nick Tate far away from the table. So. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, let's give a quick recap of what's coming up on Mission Log this week and kind of in the Mission Log world. So our coverage of Voyager continues this Thursday with Real Life. It's the one where the doctor boots up the Ozzy and Harriet holodeck program. A great one. A lot of fun mm-hmm. talking about that uh, until it's not so much fun. Right. You know, yeah. this is like real life. Can't all just be fun and games. Right. It's not yeah. fantasy. I mean, caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. No, so. no escape from reality. No. Right. No. What else we got, Norman? <laughs> well, I don't know if all the uh, listeners out there know this, but on uh, our YouTube channel, Roddenberry Entertainment, we have Mission Log The Orville and Mission Log Prodigy. Now, both of those shows are available. They are uh, recordings that we did uh, about previous episodes uh, on Prodigy. We were talking about some of the products that are coming out. The most recent one we did, we talked about the action figures, which were fantastic. And on the most recent Mission Log, the Orville, 
Uh, we have the graphic novels that are covered by Captain Mike and Jessica and Linverdi, and uh, they were written by David A. Goodman and set between seasons two and three, which yeah. are, it's very cool. So you have some of that extended continuity canon that kind of fills in the gaps here and there with what happened, um, not necessarily with what happened between when they left Fox to Hulu, but what happened <laughs> with the uh, Planetary Alliance, you know, behind the scenes was going on with, you know, Captain... Uh, Captain Mercer's ship, the Orville. We should ask Dave Goodman sometime if, like, he wrote a whole other line of graphic novels that's just about the change from Fox to Hulu, and then, <laughs> uh, and then moving, you know, the distribution Hulu to Disney when that kind of got absorbed. Like, I maybe there's a whole other line of like behind the scenes graphic novels about that. Yeah, that, that'll be I'm like another omnibus of graphic novels <laughs> so if you want to find all those videos again for mission log the orville and mission log prodigy you can go to youtube.com slash roddenberry entertainment for a whole slew of fantastic videos there for you yeah exactly and of course follow us at podcast.roddenberry.com find your favorite show there and you will find all the distribution channels for those shows so hey without further ado i mean we're in this really interesting place now because it, it felt like there was so much build up and we got through all of our uh, picard talk and then those few weeks off in between those flew by and now wow it's the week of the premiere of strange new worlds season two and who better to check in about the state of Trek and what's going on than our dear friend and a host of the Trek Files and the keeper of the portal at Portal 47. <laughs> it is Larry Nemechek, LarryNemechek.com. How are you doing tonight, Larry? I'm swell, John Good. and Norm. It is awesome. Thanks for having <laughs> me in. And uh, yeah, hiatus just went by like that. It did. It did. Um, I, I'm trying to think like... You know, as a Star Trek fan, I am so gratified by the amount of attention that was on Picard. I mean, we're we're lucky that we're in L.A. and you drive down the street and you've got billboards uh, mm -hmm. with Picard and all the FYC stuff about it's Picard. FYC season, right? right. Yeah, yeah, and that's so cool. Um, I, I also like part of me wants all of Star Trek to get that attention. Uh, do you think that Strange New Worlds is it the right show to follow Picard? Uh, do you feel like there's a, enough of a buzz in the air about Strange New Worlds coming back? I, well, the New York, you know, it was trending the other night, last night, mm. the night of the New York uh, premiere. I noticed that looked that. huge, by the way. I mean, being a night really owl, big. yeah. So yeah. that was a great contributor to to that buzz. It's it's almost like a be careful what you wish for, Lieutenant. You may get it. <laughs> you know, right. Picard was so big and I was like, well, I mean, I almost felt like, do I need to feel like the mom or the dad that's trying to keep all the kids? <laughs> like, OK, one's the athlete and one's the scholar and one's the musician. I don't know. It's like right, right. the kids and the it's worth like it's not my responsibility, but it's like a little bit like that's awesome, Picard. Now, you know, little baby, uh, you know, and and discoveries around the corner, but we all know it's mm -hmm. going to graduate and and leave home. Yeah. So we've yeah. got the two kids kids now the two live action kids anyway right and uh no i don't know it's it's you're rooting for everybody to do well and so we'll we'll see I, I think part of my concern slash question that we, we won't really know we probably won't know this year we probably know for a long time is that um picard was such a splash for fans like us of a certain age, maybe who grew up with mm -hmm. next gen, you know, and I think that's great. I think that's wonderful to have a show that is made for that audience, but I also don't want the rest of the streaming viewer public to think, okay, well, Star Trek is a show that is for those people. 
as opposed to I want people to go, oh, no, no, Star Trek's for everybody because you also have Prodigy and you also have Lower mm-hmm. Decks and you also mm-hmm. have Strange New Worlds. And we should be able to kind of just move from one to the other. I that's interesting. I saw an interview just the other day where Akiva, I think, said something mm-hmm. about they're going to acknowledge. The, I mean, I saw some fans stop up and say, you know, not to dig up an old thing here, an old, you know, issue, but saying, well, like we all love the USS New Jersey, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the Starfleet. Okay. But why yeah. did that look like a pristine constellation class, mm-hmm. uh, constitution class? And we've got the, you know, the, the enterprises yeah. scene and, 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 and not that the series is done yet. Yeah. But you get back to that. But I saw it. But Akiva was talking about, look, we're talking about tonal shifts between the series and everybody's talking like Discovery's done. You haven't seen the last season yet. Yeah. To everybody that worked on the series, the series is over or, or Post is finishing it up as we speak or whatever. But it's almost like people were so so much of fandom was so not ready to accept Lower Decks as an animated series. Yeah, and and even have Prodigy on the radar. Well, I'm not eight or I'm not ten, so why would I watch Prodigy? And I'm still waiting for that great divide to cross. It's happened with Lower Decks. It's starting to happen with Prodigy. But this idea that maybe, maybe the filter that we look through, or at least the current thinking, is that it's okay for things to have a little bit of of lens. <laughs> Not lens flare, but lens <laughs> no, difference. No. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But we, you know, but still all in the same ballpark. I mean, you know me. I mean, I I want everything to be happily matched up. But yeah. Um, no, I mean, one of the things out there that I was that I was um, observing. So for a while, you know, we had these seven years worth of of a series, you know, and it separated those series by kind of like that era. You know, you had eighty seven. You know, you started with the next generation that ran for seven, and then. Deep Space Nine ran for seven. Voyager ran for seven. You know, and Enterprise ran for four. And that's okay. And you had the movies. So everything had their own space around them. You know, they had the, it's kind of like, and, and it gave them the ability to breathe and grow and evolve and evolve their fan bases. And that's kind of like where the siloing began a little bit. But now you have five separate series mm-hmm. that are maturing um, with each other at the same rate. And I think it's not giving enough time for the fandoms to mm. to breathe. I was right? going to say enough air to them. breathe. Right. Enough air to breathe yeah. around them. Yeah. And for fans to say, oh, I like this show. By the time I get to the next one, my series is back or I don't have enough time for all the series because they're right on top of each other. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I think that that's a little bit of a, a sticking point in the fandom, I think. Mm. But you know what I hope happened, Norman, that all the people who signed up for Paramount Plus during season three of Picard, because they'd heard the buzz and they wanted to see what was going to happen with that storyline. I hope they stuck around just long enough to watch a couple episodes of Lower Decks, watch a mm-hmm. couple episodes of Prodigy mm-hmm. and, and maybe a little Strange New Worlds and just see like, oh, th- this can all coexist in this universe. You know, Larry, I was thinking back to... um uh, not this past Vegas convention, but the one before. And uh, when you were doing your panel there at the very end of the run, and that, that's a great way to kind of wrap up the show, wrap up the event. And I forgot exactly how you the phrased it. State of the Trek. Right. State of the Trek, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I forgot exactly how you phrased it, but you're asking all the audience, you, you know, out, out of the new tracks, which ones were they most hesitant about, but then which ones did they love 
even though they were hesitant right. about. And without fail, everybody put up their hands for Lower Decks, that mm-hmm. they fell in love with that show, even though they were worried about this adult-oriented comedy breakneck pace. It's and, like the bigger they yeah. were on yeah. Doubt the harder they fell for it, if that makes sense. Exactly, exactly. Well, hey, let's uh, jump over to Chris and see what's on his mind. Prepared very well for Strange New Worlds. So uh, how are you doing tonight, Chris? Good to see you. Doing good. Good to see you all. Yes, you summoned me here, John. I saw that. I was like, oh, (laughs) I got to get in here, I guess. (laughs) But I imagine you'll want to come back uh, when uh, Bernadette gets on the line. Indeed, indeed. But no, yeah, uh, very... Very interesting. The the thing about do they need air or not? I like I think so, but I think there's also an element that people are naturally gravitating towards one or maybe two of these and they're focusing on them. And that's sort of they're making their own air bubble, right? They're mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna devote the majority of my like enthusiasm to lower decks or strange new worlds. And then maybe in six months a year, they'll come back and they'll give the other ones a try. So I, I, I get that, but I do, I don't think we're, we're hurting. We're not at a detriment because of that. Not yet. Mm. At least I think we're still, everyone can have their moment. And again, that's the thing. It's like next year, strange new worlds might be all the FYC billboards because who knows? Right. We'll right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think Picard season three is just so unique because not only was it the return of that one character that it was a big deal when Picard season one got announced like that, that was already uh, gaining fans interest. But then three was designed specifically as this reunion. Now we're going to get everybody back together. Not you, Wesley. We're going to get everybody back oh. together. I, I didn't make the rules. I didn't. I, I thought they should have had him back. You're only reporting the news john you're not making it right? get, get yeah. will on the line now get get him back in right. he's with the travelers he could have shown up on the bridge going wow this is a really nice bridge get out of my chair uh he could have done that and wesley uh, makes nine or whatever yeah, was, right, right, yeah. right right but i it just felt like that that was so designed to be that and and i i think that's fine to go after that audience so that satisfied everybody who've been waiting 25 years for that to happen cool then i want a show like strange new worlds to also appeal to the nostalgia crowd but really to appeal Mm -hmm. to the people who think that maybe tos is just like a little outside of their range a little outside of their interests that this is like the entry point to get back to that so, yeah, I, I well, hope and, that that audience sticks around. And still, the other thing is, Picard, we talked about this for years, and then Picard wiped it all out. Picard was still a serialized show. Strange New yeah. Worlds is yeah. still, for everybody who wants to champion standalone, with some running arcs, but mo- basically a standalone episodic series again. Yeah. And I would, Akiva, someone talking about, gosh, I wish we had more than 10 episodes. We could do 50 like it was throwing back to the really old days. Right. You know, if you still right. want to champion standalone shows, Strange New Worlds is your baby. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. out of out of all the series, animated or live. Right. Very, very true. Yeah. I mean, but uh, it still has like that undercurrent through line of Pike's Destiny, mm-hmm. but everything else is oh, pretty yeah. much kind of like, you know, yeah. bottled. Well, episodes. I mean, there are there are character arcs. People are figuring yeah. out the difference between character arcs and a story arc. It's not chapters <laughs> in a book. It's picking up real lives. What happened to them is the 
magic word. It's what you're looking for, Larry. They remember things from week to week, which yeah, is what yeah. right, is right, special. Right, right, right. <laughs> See, and that, that's the sweet spot for me. It's like you can have continuity even if you don't have serialized storytelling. I, I am mm-hmm. fine with that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And Norman, as you and I watch Voyager, that is a big frustration. <laughs> it's not It's not easy. That's no, for sure. No, yeah. no, it's not. Uh, Chris, any other <laughs> thoughts before we move on? And then we'll certainly have you back when uh, our next guest joins us, too. Uh, no, I think we're good. I mean, obviously, very excited for season two. And yeah, looking forward to being back in 10 to 15 minutes. All right. All yeah. right. We'll see you then, man. Take care. All right. See, see you, Chris. Bye, Bye. <laughs> Bye Chris. Hey, hey let's uh, welcome to the show Andy. How's it going? Hey. Hi, Andy. Hi. Hey. Hi. I'm doing pretty good. It's very early. <laughs> I'm calling from the future. Norway again. Oh, wow. Oh, whoa. Right on. How is the future? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Now, question, um, is, is this uh, you staying up all night or are you just getting up very early to join us? I got up. <laughs> okay. Oh, right. thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And welcome to the show. And, and what's on your mind tonight? Well, or this uh, morning? first, I joined you guys for the f- season one finale. And you asked me if I ever get to the conventions, and I'm going to Vegas this year. Yes! Yeah! <laughs> All right. Awesome. Fantastic. All right. First we'll time? See you there. Yes. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, you're, you I know, am- you're only a rookie at Vegas for about 30 minutes, and the minute yeah. you stand in line for anything, you've got 20 new friends. Yeah. It doesn't take what, long. you got to find the Namachek <sighs> landing party. That is the best party to go to. Yeah, when you hit Las Vegas, so mm-hmm. cool. Right. Yep. cool. <laughs> if you're there, if you're there, with Con Eve. If you're there, Con Eve, uh-huh. come find all yep. of us. Yes, we'll be there. I'll, at the I'll be landing really late on the second. <laughs> we'll be there really. We'll late. be there really <laughs> late on the second. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, because I love talking about the convention stuff. So, since this is your, is this your first Star Trek convention or just your first Vegas? First Star Trek convention. First Star Trek convention. Awesome. Okay. So what uh, what tipped you over to decide I want to come? Is, is it uh, certain programming or certain guests? What are you looking forward to? And uh, yeah, hit, hit us. Let us know. Well, I'm mostly <laughs> excited about meeting all the people, <laughs> you guys included. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just... I've wanted to for a while. This will just be my first opportunity. Excellent. Uh, by the way, uh, already in the chat, so Muhammad Noor, Dr. Noor, already hey. saying can't wait for the Vegas convention. So you've already got a friend there, somebody on the inside. So uh, you can go talk to Dr. Noor. Uh, cool. So yeah, already people looking forward to that. Yeah, um, yeah you'll be overwhelmed. Just mm-hmm. going to warn you right away. Yeah, but in a good way. Yeah. In the best possible way. In the best way. Right, yeah. right. And 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 global fans coming in <clears throat> from outside the States, uh, people love to hear from you because people love that insight, you know, to see what fandom is like, what the opinions are like and what it's like for you and your circle. And are you alone or do you have a, you know, do you come from a group or what's it's it, yeah, yeah. It won't last long when you are. And especially what you've been able to see, because not everyone's been able to see the exact same thing at the exact same time you know, in overseas markets. So, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. All right. So tell us, you helped us close out season one of Strange New Worlds. So what are you looking forward to in season two? Kind of all of it, but especially <laughs> the crossover episode. Yeah, well, of course. Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds have sort of been my favorites. 
So the two of them meeting up, that's going to be fun, I think. <laughs> good call. Good call. I, uh, I, I wasn't even aware that they had, um, uh, they had planted that episode somewhere in seven, eight, nine, and 10. So when the screeners arrived and they were one through six, uh, and I, I don't want to watch that far ahead because I want to have this mm-hmm. conversation in real time mm-hmm. about the show. But I very cleverly, that episode doesn't come until much later. So they only got that set of screeners out. So none of us can even talk about it yet. <laughs> Nobody's seen it yet. So I can't wait. I think that is probably yeah. the most anticipated episode, hands down. Yeah. I think if I counted right, if it's episode eight, it'll be coming out whilst Vegas is happening. Oh, okay. All right. Very clever. Yep. yep. I'm, th- I'm thinking it's might be seven, but either way, it's either yeah. the week yeah. of or during. Right so either it. way, it'll be a boom. So, right. Yeah. And, and I'm certain that people will be watching it there. I remember years ago when they had the Shatner roast on Comedy Central yes. showing uh, during the convention, it was like the Super Bowl for nerds because <laughs> every TV was on with that show, everybody watching it. I feel like with Lower Decks kind of have a similar thing happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Be prepared to buy or walk away with uh, Lower Decks cosplay that weekend. Yes, <laughs> right. You're going to want to wear it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Andy, any other thoughts tonight? Not, no. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm All just right. excited for season two. Wonderful. Well, look, stay in touch with us and uh, call us back as season two unfolds, and we will certainly plan to see you in Vegas. Yes. All right. Cheers. Thanks for calling, Take Andy. Care. Okay. Have a great one, Andy. Thank All you, right. guys. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. And hey, look at the timing. I'm so happy that we get to introduce our other guest now. Alan, you got to wait because our other guest has joined us. Uh, yes. She is the costume designer for Star Trek Strange New Worlds and was a costume consultant on Star Trek Discovery. So there's a lot of Trek in our guest's uh, resume here. So welcome, everybody. Bernadette Croft, welcome to the show. Kaplaz, everybody. Kaplaz. Kaplaz, yes. everyone. Kaplaz. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for joining us. And um, I, I guess we got to start at the beginning and find out how you got the primo gig of designing costumes for Star Trek. I know. What the heck? Is someone going to find out that this is the best job in the world? I don't know. I've just been having the time of my life and um, the team and I are just so excited about season two and we're so proud of our work from season one. But, um, yeah, I came on board via Discovery, actually. I assisted Gershit Phillips, who is the costume designer, and I I assisted her for a few episodes and then co-designed a couple of episodes in uh, season two and then went off and designed a few of my own things and came back for Strange New Worlds and, yeah, couldn't be happier. Uh, in the chat, uh, Mahabha Noor is saying the costumes are epic in both Strange New Worlds and Discovery. Kudos to Bernadette Croft. So, oh, you know, thank you. Ber- well, Gersh, Gersh is amazing too, and I learned so much from her. Her attention to detail and her just the way she constructs everything with that futuristic eye, making seems super flat. And um, yeah, just yeah, she's got a wealth of information. So yeah, very happy to be on board. 
Well, well, let's talk a little bit about what that means uh, as a layperson who could not build a costume if you held a gun to my head. There's no way, no way I could. But I would love to know. So for somebody like you as a professional, uh, when you work with Gersha, uh, what are the things that you learn that are kind of specific to this future world of Star Trek that's not like conventional costuming? And then I'll follow that up by asking, how do you then shape that? when you sit in the captain's chair as the head of costumes for Strange New Worlds? Yeah, I think from Gersha I learned a lot about um, fabrics and which ones look good on camera, the importance of making things a little bit reflective so it catches the light, texture is really important, Um, and just kind of like making sure you do enough R&D because once the costume is finalized and it's been approved by the higher ups, you're, you're, you're going to have that for many seasons to come. So we did a lot of, um, yeah, research and development, um, for discovery and, and, uh, Gersh actually co-designed the first episode of Strange New Worlds as well. So we kind of, um, just kind of did the same thing, but with that kind of, um, more of a nostalgic eye, we definitely leaned in, lent into like, you know, the vibrancy of the original series and, you know, um, it was quite colourful. So I guess um, that's the difference from Discovery and Strange New Worlds. It's just, yeah, a little bit more colourful. By the way, in the chat, folks, uh, Scott Palm saying, nice to meet you. Uh, Chris saying, uh, it's so nice to see a future without spandex. <laughs> Your pieces look like something <laughs> I would wear. Um, and then so many people saying that they loved Elysian Kingdom. Paul, uh-huh. David, uh, see, mm-hmm. Heather, Alan's gown was gorgeous. Just so many people full of praise for that episode. Oh, it was the best. And I think we were just giddy the whole time we were prepping for it and shooting it and then even wrapping it. Um, we, we don't have a lot of time, so we were in kind of like we're always on the go. But, um, yeah, to kind of like imagine that world through the eyes of Rakia, who was Mbenga's 10-year-old daughter, and to kind of like think about how important and imagination is as a kid. So we just kind of, um, yeah, thought about what is the most fantastic costumes that we can put together. It doesn't really matter about, you know, specific period. It, it's just like got to be the, the most exciting and fun. So, yeah, that was a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of fun times on set. Um, Chrissy Chong, it was just great seeing them in like completely different looks. Like Chrissy Chong's usually you know, the straight-laced La'an Nunian singing and then she's wearing this huge immaculate kind of sequined ball gown that was so wide um, that she couldn't even fit through doors and we had to <laughs> get her dressed on set in a special tent because uh, we couldn't set the dress in a trailer. It just didn't fit. And she looked amazing. Oh, Norm, go yeah. ahead. That, that yeah. that's, that's, <clears throat> rang a bell. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I had a – I was just wondering, so – with Strange New Worlds having probably the most iconic look, you know, throwback to the original series, what's the process of looking at the original series uniform, the uniform transition from Discovery, and finding that really sweet spot in the middle where you haven't pushed too far either way and you retain that sensibility of this is still our original work? but yet it pays respects to all of these other works combined. And, and, and how do you not, how do you know when you're not overstepping one way or overstepping the other way? Is it a very fine line to walk? 
Yeah, and I mean, we we design in the inner spectrum. So when we were coming up with the uniforms, uh, Henry Alonso Myers and Akiva Goldsman, who are our showrunners, kind of said, lean into that nostalgia of TOS, but, you know, imagine it in with today's uh, technologies, today's budget. And so we came up with about 30 designs and then it's up to the producers and the showrunners to kind of choose where they think our show lands and then that informs us with the rest of the look of the show. Um, So, yeah, it's just like I just want to be so respectful to canon but also kind of infuse it with, um, you know, production value because, you know, our audiences have (laughs) have grown up a lot over, what, 57 years now. So. Mm -hmm. It's like we we got to kind of um yeah up the ante in terms of detail and technology and and what we see on set, but we also want to have that kind of like evocative kind of um, sentimental memory of the past. So yeah, it is a bit of a balance, um, but we are guided by our showrunners for sure. Are there ever times where you want to look back at the older fabrics that uh, Bill Tice used and like bring those in? Like, say, for instance, um, Khan's jacket from Space Seed with that really wonderful that his dinner jacket with that wonderful pattern. I mean, that's very evocative of like the 60s, you know, uh, types of, you know, textiles. So uh, is it is it difficult to rein that in? Because you can use so much and do so much now that it's almost it feels like it would be impossible to try and just find a focus for it all. Yeah, there's so many options and um, fabrics have changed so much, their properties. Um, we kind of lean more into tech knits now um, where we can 3D print on top. But I loved seeing the um, original Monster Maroon. We were sent that from the archives when we were mm. um, designing for episode 10 in season one. It, it was a little boxy and the, the wall had kind of like kind of, you know, was worn over time. But it was just like so nice to kind of actually hold it. And um, Anson actually put it on just for fun, just Ooh. to see what it looked like. Um, but, yeah, we did do our little up to update of it. Um, and, yeah, I think um, in previous Star Trek um, shows, you know, fabric has been a bit of an issue, I think, in um, TNG, like, yeah, the spandex kind of like um, the, the the jumpsuits pushed down on the actor's shoulders, gave them back problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the odour wasn't so great. So, like, there's just different things that have um, changed over time and we can make actors feel a little more comfortable. Yeah, nice. I, I want you to hold that thought about the monster maroon and all of this. Uh, it is the bottom of the hour, and we're going to take just a, a second, just a second here to remind people about Patreon. Uh, so if you're supporting our show directly, Mission Log, you can do so at patreon.com slash mission log. We would love to see you there because that gets you into the Mission Log Discord, which is private, and uh, it eschews all the nonsense of social media. It is a nicely curated area for fans of all stripes to come in and have discussions and comments. You get all of our swag, too. You get me and Norman uncut and unfiltered. I mean, that's worth the price of admission anyway. That's, at least. At least at that least. one dollar. It, it, yeah. Or maybe double that even. But At least two dollars. Yes, yeah. yeah. But stick around. You will have access to our Discord. You get cool swag and you get to come to the Patreon party in Vegas. So, mm-hmm. Andy, if you're still listening, that's, you know, a thing you could do. So uh, we'll see you in Vegas. But first, we will see you on Patreon, patreon.com slash mission log. And that will get you into the mission log <laughs> Discord. And uh, already people saying, see, Discord rocks and Patreon rules. That's it. Uh, thank you, Paul. And 
and Paul mm-hmm. for jumping in with that. Very kind of you. Um, and with that, oh, and After Dark, of course, After Dark, where we get to discuss that week's episode of Mission Log and all the other thing. I mean, Norm, you're doing Zocalo, Babylon 5, mm-hmm. so much. So. Yeah, we have almost a live show almost every night. And yeah. now we're going to be uh, covering also Strange New Worlds uh, with a live chat uh, starting next week, I believe. Yep. Mm, yep. So you're going to want to tune in for that, for sure. That is indeed right. And I think that is a perfect segue to bring in our other caller here, and that would be Alan, who is not just a part of our Patreon community, but a moderator in Discord. Thank ah. you for moderating like the beast that you are. So <laughs> welcome oh, to the it's show. A, <laughs> it's Oh, it's a hard job, John. It's... Uh, <laughs> no, <nah>, the... <laughs> Are you wearing a Hawaiian shirt? I'm so happy you're wearing <laughs> yes. a Hawaiian shirt. Yes, well, I'm, I'm still in a bit of uh, vacation um, recovery mode, so I'm trying to keep uh, that alive. I okay. spent the weekend uh, at the wedding of a very good friend and his lovely new bride, and I just, you know, Greg and Aaron, congratulations again. And uh, because he's a very good friend, uh, also uh, someone from high school, and a lot of other people from my hometown uh, were there. So uh, let's just say that I uh, ate out on uh, my last call in quite a bit. Okay. Uh, yeah. When would you no uh, get to, yeah, uh, uh, have a, a nice conversation with Todd Stashwick? Um, that was yeah. that was really entertaining, man. I got to say that. that yeah, yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Uh, but yeah, I'm. It's it's uh, a thrill to be back with you guys. Um, looking very much forward to Strange New World season two, and just seeing what what all sorts of uh, new strange things uh, we have in store. Look, even if all else fails, you know the costumes are going to be great. Absolutely. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. John, the, uh, our old saying on Mission Log because we didn't steal this from anybody. It's better to look good. Than to feel good. Feel good. (laughs) Absolutely marvelous. 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 I was was in a costume this weekend. So, I mean, you know, the the old slogan for that place was, if you don't look good, we don't look good. So... (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, you too shop at the men's warehouse. Uh, Great. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. For, for this, I do. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, uh, Dave Taylor in the chat uh, throwing out a comment here that I think is very uh, interesting and certainly germane to what Bernadette does. Uh, Dave says, knowing that people are watching in HD and pausing moment to moment must be stressful for designers. And yeah, I'm thinking not only do we all grow up watching TOS in standard def, very often standard def on terrible TVs, bad VHS copies. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> it is a whole different world now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. You have to pay like a lot of attention and wrinkles are the worst. Like that's the one thing that I get really like, oh, but it's just human nature. Like clothes move. Um, hair moves like things move so it's just like you can't beat yourself off about it but we do our best and we've got a great on-set team that do their final checks before each scene so yeah we've got we've got support (laughs) good 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 uh alan any uh thoughts or uh uh, thoughts about the upcoming season or questions for bernadette while we have you sure uh, jump back over to chris yeah no i i you know i'm Big fan of all of the the costuming that uh, that we've seen uh, in Disco and Strange New Worlds uh, so far. Uh, you guys were talking about uh, the maroon earlier. Um, 
I was actually just uh, finishing up a little bit of rewatch just uh, just for my own sake, and I got through episode ten uh, uh, just a little bit before the show started. Um, not just that one, but that uh, the Romulan outfits too were just amazing. And again, it's a nice blend of what we expect based on what was shown in the 60s, updated to today's uh, standards. And if I may say, lovely balance of Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I see what you did there. Very good. Yeah. Okay, Bernadette, that, that is now copyright mission log, but we're going to send you T-shirts and swag love that. that all say Balance of Taylor. We expect those to go up in the costume okay. shop for season yeah. three, okay? No, you got that. Make your money. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but on a, on, a, on a more serious note, uh, sort of the, the thing that I was kind of uh, wondering is one thing that I'm always looking for in the Star Trek is more aliens. And I know that that means um, certain, it must mean certain uh, interesting costuming uh, decisions and choices and, um, you know, <laughs> Uh, things that need to be accounted for, let's say. Um, you know, is there is there anything uh, in particular that that you can think of that's um, uh, germane to costuming for like a non-human character? Yeah, I mean, episode one's pretty exciting, and I think in a lot of the trailers you you glimpsed our Klingons, and I think there's a bowling in it um, at that kind of like rebel bazaar that's kind of one of the scenes there. Um, so it's always lovely to, um, you know, look at um, a legacy alien and and do your take on it. Um, so in the, yeah, in the 60s, the, the black and gold uniform that was kind of stretchy and, like, in my mind, it just looked like a, a dance costume. Like, <laughs> it was kind of not very imposing or um, intimidating. So we did our version and made it a little bit more like hard armor um, in in the kind of like the vibe of Discovery, but we just pared down the palette and just kind of yeah really lent into that um, nostalgia of the original se- um, season. Had the square neckline, bit of an exoskeleton um, application on top. So yeah, we just like add more detail. That that skeleton was um, hand sculpted by our um, key sculptor, Alex Silberberg, and beautifully painted by our team. Um, Anna Pancheva is our key textile artist, and she does just beautiful work. Um, and even in the, in, the, um, in the bazaar there, everything, every costume's broken down, even the background performers, and some of them were aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had to look really real and grounded. So I just love adding all that grit and grime and, and kind of like, make it look like, oh, yeah, they probably stink, you know. Like we want to just give them <laughs> a lot of character. So, um, yeah, yeah, I love getting aliens and, and reading them in the scripts. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, you know, I think, and Norm, this is something you said uh, on the Discord about a, a certain other recent property, and it sort of stuck with me, is the the fact that you want stuff to look lived in. And you yeah. want stuff to have character and the fact that, you know, this is something that someone has worn for however long, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the more authenticity you bring to the world building, and that comes from 
you know, the the highest detail to the smallest detail. Uh, Richard Taylor, you know, he was uh, doing, you know, some seminars talking about costuming for Lord of the Rings. And somebody asked him, you know, his process. And he said, I believe that even the rivets on the inside of armor or the indentations on the inside of clothing should be there because when the actor puts on their costume and they see the authenticity and the realism, you know, and the gravitas of what they're wearing, it brings and informs their role. So it, it gives them like that much more performance value to uh, that day. And he says, if, if I can do my job that way, I know that I'm giving the the actors the opportunity to do their job even more. And I thought that was an interesting thing to say. I thought that was an interesting note. Yeah. Was it Gilgood who said that he was, he wasn't in character <clears throat> until he had the shoes? You may be right. Yeah, yeah, it was either Gilgood or uh, uh, Sir Lawrence. Uh, who, oh, that could be. Uh, who Michael or Forrest Max Grudenchik uh, or, or something. Or, or Max- <laughs> Sir Max Grudenchik. Sir. Sir. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Larry, as we're having this conversation, it's something that you say, that I say, that a lot of us have said for a long time. It's how do you make it the same but different? And that is such a moving target uh, that sometimes if it's too much the same, it is too much the same. And you might get dinged for a lack of creative points, but if it's too different and people feel like they're taken out of that world that they know, that that's just always the risk for any creative touch, particularly on a property like Star Trek that's been around forever and ever. Oh, yeah. Well, I have a, Can I ask? I'm going to ask Bernadette something. Please. So I, I love the way you just toss off terms like legacy characters, legacy species even. So I have to ask, which I always love to do when I have behind the scenes folks on, on my thing. Were you at all a Trek person fan at all? Or did it just I mean, it's hard not to be aware of Star Trek in the culture in media. But did you did you go research or were you kind of I mean, where were you on the spectrum of your (laughs) Trek when you when you took the job second season and came in? It's really interesting. Yeah, I am. I'm new to Trek. So Gersha was the one that introduced me to it. And um, Mm -hmm. I was hooked from then. So, yeah, just you know, discovery, just like gobble that up. And my favorite is Lower Decks. I just love Lower Decks. I also looked at previous seasons, obviously, um, especially the original um, series to research about um, what we were about to embark on. But, um, yeah, I was more of a fantasy kid growing up, so it was, um, you know, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and um, the Labyrinth and, um, you know, Dark Crystal. But um, Star Trek... Coming as a fan later in life, I think it's wonderful because it's just, isn't it like fi- over 500 hours of Star Trek? It's like oh, some we're, we're, we're nearly 800, 800 yeah. now. Oh my yeah. God. So I've still yeah. got a few hundred hours to go, I'm sure. But like, it's just nice. To know it, yeah, it's just nice to know it's always there and it's going to be really good storytelling. It's going to be mostly optimistic and, um, you know, it's, promoting um you know minorities and you know up, uplifting those who need to be seen so i just like think it's just yeah it's a it's a great show to be a part of very important question from chris Riker in the chat do gorn wear boxers or briefs oh good good cue i i would dare ask <laughs> well i mean considering their temperament I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, I right. think so too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan, thank yes. you so much for joining us. Uh, we yep, will I'm, see you very soon. I hope. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm very much looking forward to uh, uh, Chris coming back because I'm sure he's got fantastic uh, costuming questions. So I, I would not doubt it. Yes. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Alan. We'll see you soon. Take yeah. care. Yeah. Have a good one. 
And uh, uh, Larry and Bernadette, nice to see you, and uh, have a good evening. Hey. hey. Cool. Uh, and, and before we go to Chris with his uh, very important and very intriguing costuming questions, because I'm mm-hmm. sure there are many, Bernadette, when you're answering Larry just now uh, and talking about doing research, so of course you go back and you watch mm-hmm. episodes. And fortunately, TOS exists in this HD state now, lovingly restored, so you can really look at detail. Um, I'm curious what other resources you had. Were, were you able to go on site and check out materials from the TOS era? And were there things that you just thought like, oh no, I can't do this in 2022? <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's a little scary. Like when yeah. a kid wanted the green wrap jacket, I was just like, oh no, not that cardigan. But like, <laughs> 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 to go yeah. like, do your take on it. It's like, okay, okay, we can do this. Um, and even the, even the Klingons, that was kind of like, I started off very, very detailed. It was just a little much, and um, that's when our showrunner was just like, you know what, just go simple. Like, it's it's TOS, like, pair it back a little bit. So we always kind of, like, have that um, nice um, collaboration. It's a very much a collaborative environment, which is great. Um, but, yeah, it's um, – I guess, like, when I started, we were in the middle of it – was, it was COVID, so I couldn't really do any um, digging around or visiting any archives. So it was just a lot of online um, and just, yeah, watching old old episodes. And my favourite book, this one. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. yes. Of course. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Like, I just book, yeah. the stories as well. Just, like, you know, it's just, like, takes you back and it just gives you – a good insight. So. That's got to be a lot less intimidating than 800 hours. You can put your oh arms god. around that book. 800 hours, like, oh my god, there's just so much. But like, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, at least it's it's a fantastic show. So, well, okay. you know, Bill Tice. One of the tricks I always loved about the original series when I learned it, Bill Tice, right? Yeah. And in the mm-hmm. 60s, and their little bitty staff, and the yeah, you know, the the you know the the un ununionized little old ladies sewing for them <laughs> over the transom because they didn't have the but but they would do things like take upholstery fabric and and use it backwards like use the reverse side all kinds of you know in those metallic weave fabrics that were coming in the sixties have you ever had a chance to do something really out of the box or really you know unorthodox. <laughs> I mean, I think, he, like, he was dumpster diving, like, basically, mm-hmm. and for each season that went on, apparently he got less money and, like, less time to do things. So it was just really, it got really difficult. So you just have to, like, be very creative and um, be very resourceful. But, yeah, I'm just wondering what he would think of me 3D printing the Klingon belt buckles that was painted bubble wrap back in the 60s, you know, mm-hmm. like. I was just about to ask you that. That is my favorite detail. And I remember seeing it in the Smithsonian and then seeing one at CBS and going, it literally is bubble wrap. And some of these bubbles have collapsed over time. But it's literally bubble wrap. (laughs) Well, just think, Velcro was brand new. It just had come out of NASA. I mean, it was uh, literally so new, no one, you know, so just to strap the phasers on the trousers and things. Uh, Larry, that's a brand name. I, bef- I believe if you go back to the uh, Franz Joseph technical manual, it's the Velcrite adhesion pad. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to make sure we stay I'm in the universe. I'm sorry. You know, well, I, Vel- I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't even go down the Vulcan rabbit hole with that either, so we'll, <laughs> no. we'll okay. leave that one alone. It's Vulcanian, sir. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, let's bring back Chris to the show because, uh, Chris, I, I am so glad for you to meet Bernadette and Bernadette, I'm so glad for you to meet Chris because, Chris, 
friend of the show for so long, and he knocks out some of the greatest costumes oh. at conventions. Some of those creative, hilarious. Mm -hmm. I have been struck dumb so many times seeing Chris, and for a moment, uh, taking time to realize actually who it is under that thing. So, Chris, go ahead. <laughs> you have the All floor. All right. Well, hello, Bernadette. <laughs> pleasure, pleasure to meet you. And actually, I, I think I have. This was this was not planned. I swear. Uh, okay. But I think I have. If you said you liked Lower Decks. See if it'll go. Oh. Yes, there's Migley Moo. Yes, yes. Migley Moo. Yes. With Jack and Tony and Noel. Uh huh. That's awesome, dude. There you go. That's his Dr. Migleo. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so that's crocheted. My mother crochets. Oh. Crocheted Migleo. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So I've done that. I've done the whale from Lower Decks. I've done a Ractageno cup. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting. Um, but the so Lower Decks, you said you're a big Lower Decks fan. You come into work and they're like, you are responsible for turning Jack and Tawny into live action or their costumes into live action. Is that exciting? Is that daunting? Is it all of the above? <laughs> yeah, all of the above for sure. I was so excited. I just thought it was such a great idea. And however they made that work is just brilliant. Um, we, we didn't have a lot of time. It's like one of those things, it was COVID. The actors can only come a few days beforehand. Um, we quickly measure them and, and make up the costume. But we, I knew that it would be really important for fans and I knew we had to kind of pay respect to both shows. So, like, make it look like they've, they've come from this 2D world to this live-action world. So we used our Strange New Worlds uniform fabric um, but I didn't cover it in microprint or anything, just left it really kind of plain just to give that 2D quality. Um, and that was Mike McMahon's request. He just kind of wanted that kind of really simple look. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll get their own live action show. That was so good. And I just, <laughs> seen, um, you know, the rushes of the day and the bloopers and like, the way Tawny and Jack, their chemistry, they just, um, they work so well together and just give a lot of options, I think, for the director who was, yeah, Frakes. So mm -hmm. it's just like they'll say things a different way or pop in a new word or like just make something very funny. So, yeah, it's a really, it's a really great episode. No, here's mean, some, here's like, something, um, Chris. So you're going to have to collect this now. You're going to have to do the – you have the Lower Decks uniform, and now you're going to have the live action Lower Decks uniform <laughs> side by side. Yep. Right? right. Now, got to collect them all. Two new uniforms, right? <laughs> A lot. Oh, yeah. Every – yeah, every rendition. Yep. No, but, yeah, they, I mean, they're in the trailer for, like, 30 seconds, and, oh, my God, they look amazing. Like, just all mm. of it, the texture, the combat, it's – oh. Wonderful. They're tall. Both of both Tawny and Jack, they're, they're tall humans. Um, I think Jack's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and Tawny's like 5'11". Like so it's like it's it's just so different from the animation where they're just like these little little tiny creatures. But um yeah, it was um it was a lot of fun. I, I love that in the chat Alan says uh, to you, Chris, your mom will have to crochet Anson's hair now. <laughs> <laughs> The crocheted Pike's Peak. Yeah. Yes. It'll yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. be a whole other conversation <clears throat> when we have hair and makeup uh, on the show as guests. That, that'll be a whole other thing. Yeah. You're going to need a lot of gray yarn for that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Chris, you asked exactly what I wanted to know. Uh, any other thoughts or uh, questions for our guest tonight? Yeah, I do have one quick one. I've also been rewatching, and I've noticed um, throughout the show we see Una, Rebecca. Sometimes she wears the scant, and sometimes she wears like uh, the regular jacket and the pants. And I'm curious, was that something? A decision you made? Was it a, a decision Rebecca made that the producers made? All of the above, again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, at first, Gersh and I thought, oh, let's just do top and pants, just not to lean into, like, overly sexualization, like sexualizing the, um, the, the uniform because it's meant to be, like, professional. But then Rebecca was just like, you know what? You can, you can run, you can fight, you can do whatever you need to do, just, like, tweak the design a little. So we did. And I'm so glad that we did because I just love it. And I do love the original dress. I think it's super cute. It's just like it was just a little bit too, like, risque, just a little bit, you know. And so we we kind of, like, updated in that way. And um, we just wanted variations. We wanted, um, you know, for actors to have a say. And so we email um, Rebecca and actually Celia wears both types of the uniform as well. And she's like, what do you feel like wearing for the next episode? And they'll, they'll let us know. So yeah, it's totally up to the actors there. And um, yeah, any gender can wear both. That's, that's the beauty of, of the uniforms. Well, that's the obvious question. Have you made a men's scant? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've had background artists, um, male non-binary wear them so far. But um, they're a little longer to make, a little longer to fit. But um, we've, we've peppered a few in there, yeah. Okay. Well, we've we've got about seven weeks before Vegas, so you can okay. I can send you my size. Got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because we we did the the Trek geeks and I we did scans for pause about what five years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for a new one, and uh, we'll you know it was trying to be a fundraiser, but I, I think I would look much better in the uh, TOS style Strange New World scant. The next gen. So I'd wear that in a heartbeat, man. In yeah, just getting that out there yeah. to the world. That, that that'll need to happen for our next one. It would All be right. a, either way. You'd look great. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, blue is my color, so you know. All right, uh, Chris. Thanks so much, man. Great to see you, and uh, we'll see you again. Of course, pleasure to meet you, Bernadette. Have a wonderful night. See you, Chris. Hey, take care. And uh, and back to the show, Andy. Uh, glad to see you again. So welcome back. We couldn't keep you away. <laughs> All right, Andy, what else is on your mind tonight for our guest? Oh, we have you muted. Hang on just a second. Make sure that you are not muted. There we go. There you go. Hi, I'm back. Uh, I was thinking about Klingons, actually, since you guys mentioned them earlier and the whole new but not too new thing, because with Discovery, that's interesting. (laughs) <laughs> Since, um, personally, the Into Darkness Klingons, that was a whole big thing. But I was like, okay, but that's those are Klingons, right? But the Discovery Klingons never really felt like Klingons to me. So that's my personal line. So, like, how was it with the Strange New World Klingons to sort of adjust to that? Yeah, we knew that fans definitely felt a certain kind of way about Klingons. And I think um, prosthetics, um, that was a real, one of those things where, because in the original series, they didn't have the prosthetic and the, the ridges. But 
it was kind of like one of those things we took liberties and and did the whole ridges just to kind of like lean into that and the hair and all of that. So we um we kind of just gleaned a little bit um from a few different places there. But yeah, it's it's funny. It's kind of like we've just got to get a lot of opinions from the producers, the writers, the showrunners, just to be like, where, where do you think this is going to land? And um, we we take their advice. Yeah. That, that was kind of a, a similar. Thought. I'm glad that you brought that up, Andy, because, you know, we look at the TOS Klingons, very simple, very low budget, <laughs> and clearly not a look that we would recreate now. And then in 1979, Without any fanfare, with any announcement, the Klingons just changed. We all just accepted, okay, well, here are the Klingons now. This is what they look like. Um, did you have direction from others? And what, what was that direction like to say, okay, here's TOS, here's TMP, Next Gen, on and on to discover here are all those micro evolutions of the Klingons. Were you given that freedom to say, well, this works better than this other thing? Or was it a top down thing to say like, no, 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 you really need to lean this way. Yeah. I think with something that's so massive, like the Klingons, it it really does have to come from our producers to say where they want to land. Cause they, they read everything. They know what all the fans are saying and they, they kind of um, they want to make people excited and they want to please people and, and make sure everyone's having a good time watching the show. We're not going to please everyone, obviously, and that's totally fine. But um, we look at the timeline, like you say, and just like line up all the different like versions of the Klingons and just kind of figure out where we're going to land. Yeah. And yeah, I did lean a little bit to, I must admit, just seeing the discovery ones and coming we're like a year or two after discovery, just going, oh, maybe a bit more detail. But then, yeah, Akiva was just like, let's just simplify it, black and gold, TOS. And then it was just like, okay, great. So it's just like, we need that little kind of, yeah, that guidance. It could have gone an animated series, Purple and Pink. Oh. <laughs> that so many fans would have been happy. Yeah. I'm serious. So many fans. I'd probably rock that costume too. <clears throat> oh, uh, no. Yeah. Actually, I have a small question um, about. Does does the prosthetics of the new Klingons come first before it's kind of like working as a culture? Does you know does one inform the other, or do the uniforms or costumes come first before the prosthetics are designed? Because or do you work like so tightly collaboratively that way? Yeah, it's kind of in tandem. But with prosthetics, they take a long time to develop. Like they have to um, design them, mold them, and then do testing with applications. Yeah. For me, I do do. Um, concept work and all of that as well, which takes time. But I feel like usually prosthetics are a little bit ahead of me as well as the mm-hmm. so production design. And then we, that kind of informs me and I'm always snooping around to see what Jonathan Lee, our production designer is doing. He's doing always like incredible stuff and I'm so inspired, but um, yeah, they're just a little ahead because of the amount of time their work um, takes to, to produce um, and then, yeah, we, we kind of come after, but um, we definitely make sure it's all cohesive and we're telling the same story. Yeah. Andy, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we will see you again soon. Thanks for the, the double dip in the calls. <laughs> Till next and time. And staying up so early to get, or yes. late or whatever to get with us yeah, yes. from around the world. Exactly. Take care. 
Um, and Larry, since we didn't get to talk uh, a whole lot tonight, I just wanted to make sure that uh, you got in a plug for what's happening with you and what's oh. happening in Trekland. Yeah, I'm really yeah. excited. So Saturday, I'm joining in. It's not my production, but our friend Chris Smith, who was very close to DeForest Kelly, has organized a special remembrance for D. This is the month that he passed, not his birth month, January, but uh, 1999. And she's got several folks, including the Akutas and Dan Madsen and myself and some fans who have been influenced by D. Uh, that's going to be 1030 Pacific on Saturday at um, NBD's media Twitch channel is happening. And then tomorrow on Trekland Tuesdays Live, I'm really excited. Um I've got the uh, – so a lot of people have been noticing this guy's work turn up the last couple of years. Glenn Swanson, who did a lot of research on the Enterprise, the 60s, the AMT model. He's writing a book called uh, Inspired Enterprise, How NASA, uh, the Smithsonian, and the military affected Star Trek, influenced Star Trek in the ooh, 60s. Ooh. And he's got a Kickstarter going, okay. and he's my guest. I'm going to have a guest tomorrow on Tuesday's Live. So that'll be live at 1 o'clock Pacific and you know 4 Eastern, or people can catch it later. He's in the last uh, 15 days of his Kickstarter. And uh, I just want to – he's done – he's turned up some awesome research from all those directions, the military side, the NASA side, influences – and uh, and done some really cool research on the on the AMT model kit line on top of that. But um, so I know it's it's a really exciting uh, week this week. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to remind everybody they can find you on uh, Facebook and on mm -hmm. uh, Twitter, Larry Nemechek and, and uh, Larry dot com and Larry uh, yes. .com. Yeah, and then and uh, there we'll, might even be a new Trek Files. There, there will be a new a Trek Files hours. out tomorrow that uh, you <laughs> and I will both be on. I'll be behind the mic on that mm -hmm. one as well. Uh, so absolutely, a lot happening with you. Uh, we have a, a last question here in the chat for Bernadette, and that is from Aaron. And uh, Aaron wants to know favorite season one. Strange New Worlds costume, and it, without getting into spoiler <laughs> territory, is there a favorite upcoming season two costume? Okay, season one, it changes all the time, so I'm just going to say that, but it's Hema, the Elysian, yeah. he's beautiful, icy blue, silvery costume, so layered, so detailed, that collar, the leather work, the chains, the medallion, the way he's just so, you know, Character's so grumpy, not Bruce Horak. He's he's a he's an angel, but um, just had so much fun there. All of them really. So season two, um, you did get a glimpse of it. One of my favorites is um, one of the guards from um, uh, the Kalar episode. So it's very like Mongolian inspired armor, lots of fur, metal, um, this special helmet, just all the layers. It just looks so imposing. And it's actually like it's intimidating, and even doing the fittings, you're like, "Holy smokes, this is this is like intense." So I think that would probably be my favorite, but it'll probably change. Uh, all right. Well, we'll have to ask you again after it airs if you had a little time to get reacquainted. We'll yeah, that's we'll find like a year ago we filmed this, so it's all it's just like going down memory lane. Right. Right. Well, and since it has been a year, I mean, do you plan to rewatch a bit uh, now that it'll premiere on Thursday? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. We, I get a little sneak peek, but it's always fun to um, kind of like just be a part of all the hype and like see what fans, is, um, see what they say um, and what the critics are saying. It's just like so interesting. So I'll definitely be watching it. 
Excellent. All right. Well, hey, Larry, thank you for joining us. Oh, uh, certainly. Uh, it was an ex- but, unexpected ple- pleasure. Bernadette, I have to have you with my Portal 47 group sometime. I'd love to have you as a guest, too. Yes. Yes. Excellent. And uh, Norm, anything to plug? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's me and you, my friend. <laughs> uh, I'd like to talk about Mission Log, a podcast that you and I, I I've heard of it. It's very good, very professional from what I understand. Uh, and, and yes, we will be recording our 500th episode tomorrow. Wow. So, uh, Oh, yeah. we were supposed to talk about pizzas. Oh, yeah. Everybody send us yeah. pizza tomorrow because we, we got a late recording. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Bernadette, thank you so very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks yes. for having me. And Thank with you. that, Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the infusive Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Special thanks to everybody who joined us live or later. We'll be back with Strange New World Season 2, same time, same channel, next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.